I did. I did, yeah. I did. And now it's done. And now I can say, oh, don't know. I actually enjoyed the process. It was really quite extraordinary. Mainly I'm interested in what you are busy with in, in terms of, like, what is keeping your mind busy mm. um, and keeping yeah. everything running and then how and why. And it seemed like it all already started when I, when I asked about how how you go thinking on a yearly mm. time frame. Um, because I think the reason that I think in fortnights is because that's how long it takes a novelty to wear off. Yeah, right. Um, but don't you, don't you have a sense of, I guess, don't you have a sense that, of, that, that practice is, around, is about duration? Yes. And that awareness and what you learn. Yes. Like, for example, I remember being when I did the dance course, you know, 20 years ago, that we did Feldenkrais mm. and I was like, I don't know what this is, this is stupid, blah, blah, you know, the usual thing. And then, like, 10 years later... I did one thing and I went, oh, no, oh, God, that's what that was. So the idea of novelty mm. is I feel like there's immediate things that you can get that are about our immediate desire or pleasure from something, but then a deep understanding. And I don't think you ever get there. This is the whole, this is the whole trick, isn't it, is that, <laughs> is that you're hoping that when you're dead or you're about to die, that you still have a moment where you go, oh, my God, that just dropped in. Mm. So so especially, I think, when it comes to the body, and especially when we were doing that body of ideas thing, like, mm. that was a real revelation for me. Like, I feel like most of the time I'm a fraud, but I've had a lot of knowledge and history and I've done a lot of things, but I feel like we have to constantly come back to a hum- the humility of understanding what we don't know rather than what we do know. And so that was a really fantastic experience for me because it really, again, opened up a whole bag of questions around what what do I do? Who, who am I? How do I contribute to the creative community? Like especially at the minute when I work in Perth but I'm still running a space for Sydney artists, mm. which is what I love. It's an absolute passion. But there's so so it's how do I continue to contribute? And for me, that's duration. That's doing it when the novelty has worn off. And let me tell you, over a decade of running spaces, the novelty wore off in the first six months. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, this is really hard, really hard. But, but, but then you see the value, and the value is not mine, it's the value of others, but you can see it shifts in ecology. And so I think... That's what we're trying to go for, isn't it, is that we're trying to build in, in a greater cultural landscape, you're trying to build a more sustainable ecology, which is what I think. And it's so interesting because I've been doing the Body of Ideas book, putting that all together, I feel like that's turning into a real sort of almost like manifesto about our value of moving, the value of moving in life, and not in the construct of um, fitness, but keeping on reminding ourselves that there after all we're moving mm-hmm. on on every single level every possible level cellular right through like all the body mind centering stuff like right through to yourselves they're constantly moving and shifting and changing and so yeah so it's been really that trackings so when it comes back to novelty i go yes there's absolutely a place for that because novelty is about injection of creativity 
that's what sparks you that's what lifts you that's what you go oh my god that really i want to do that i want to do that 100 i want to go the maximum but then the resi- what resides after that's aesthetic do you know what i mean because then you go oh that's finished but what did I get from that? What what then drives me to the next project? What what flashy novelty? And I'm only using that loosely. I don't I don't mean it as um, as a, a shallow thing either, because I think novelty is very important. But yeah, like what what then? How do you then keep nurturing and constructing? And because really, we're that's what we're doing as practitioners ultimately. So identity is really about how well we mine our work, how well we keep rigorous with it, how well we keep meaning it, how well we keep going, oh, my God, that really bores me, what can I do now? Or even Tim Darvishire in that thing, he talked about, that was such a great question, are you bored? Mm. And he was like, yeah, I'm totally bored. But then Scooty said the, the slyness of boredom, which is the Peter Brook thing, which is, how do we sit in things in duration? Mm-hmm. Like doing the Iyengar yoga system, mm-hmm. right? So I've been doing that for years. Like I, Sue Ellen Kohler, who's a fantastic artist in Sydney, she um, taught me at uni and then um, became, or she was an Iyengar teacher then. But anyway, she, she introduced me to it and I was absolutely terrible at it, Maddie. I just couldn't do it. I felt terrible. I was hopeless. I was hyper-extended. I was all, all those things that everyone goes, oh, no, you're terrible, you're terrible. Anyway... So over a long time, it's the thing I've always returned to because I feel like there's a real structure of freedom that goes on with the body in Iyengar. Like it's quite rigorous, but actually what he's trying to get at is humility and freedom in the body. And those two things really appeal appeal to me. So, um, but, so doing it over long, long periods of time. And last year I was... I went through the assessment, the first level of assessment. Like, there's like six or something. Oh, my God, I'll be dead. I'll be 80 by the time I get there, which I probably never will. But anyway, I got through the first assessment. It's really rigorous. Like, you have to work with a senior teacher for about four years, five years, right? And then you go for the assessment, and it's like you have to do so much practice and, of course, you know, and it's totally worth it. But I realised doing that that I still had so much more to learn and so much more, like it was only the beginning and so, and like the novelty for that at times has worn off so much. Like what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing another down dog? Why am I? So I think that's important, like how we ask those questions of ourselves when the novelty wears off. But the novelty is important because it creates something. It creates a spark or... An intention, mm. you know, like we need intention. We need to be motivated, especially because that's the role of the artist is how do we bring a different perspective? How do we sh- how do we bring a different perspective to the world? Like Angie's work. Mm. It was so fantastic. Not at, not at any one moment did I know what the hell was going to happen. What, 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 a, what an incredible experience to yeah. sit in a theatre and go, oh, my God, I had no idea that was going to happen. I was hoping the vacuum cleaner was going to be there. <laughs> yeah. But was it? Like yeah. there was these – and the way that the, the narrative or the way that the landscape shifted and grew and to that end point was just a complete surprise. Mm. And that's the role of the artist is to open something in us that we've, we we've, haven't ever witnessed before. It was quite – Anyway, it's quite unusual, you know. So it was, it was such a such an incredible work. What so much you, space in it. What do you do when when you're asking yourself, "Why am I doing another downward dog?" 
because I ask myself, why am I doing another plie? No, yes. I know that that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I justify it in terms of exercise uh, yeah. and independence, longevity, that like if you can mm. get up and down from a chair, you're more likely oh, yeah, to, to live, live at home longer I know, totally, than you are. going into a nursing home. Yeah. Do you but, see um, that test that they did? Mm-hmm. If you're cross-legged, mm. um, you sit cross-legged and if you can stand without putting mm. your hands on the ground, so you lose points for like, if you put one hand or whatever mm-hmm. to the longevity of your life. Wow. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, like yeah. being able to do a plie up and down, yeah. getting up without assistance is absolutely goes to the duration of your life. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? But I haven't yet been able to justify it in my role as an artist in the world mm. when I get to the... Mm, the doggedness required for some long-term things because I also mm, maybe it's a millennial generation problem but have Mm. a a pushback against means to an ends oh yeah totally I feel like we the 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 ends keep needing to be injected along the way totally um so that I wonder what is your internal dialogue when you're like why Mm. I know I can move on. I am capable of more, and yet I am here doing a repetition. Mm. But that's yoga. Yeah. So the the constant meeting yourself, the constant returning to the same thing, the constant mindfulness mm. around that moment in time, that's yoga. Like, but that's the greater. Like, you know what I'm. That that's mm-hmm. why we do it because I think we're in constant modes of training, mm. and so that plie that you did today will be different for the pl- from the player you do in two weeks' time, mm-hmm. given the context. And also I read this amazing thing about it's just subjective, huh? Mm-hmm. So within that there's freedom. So f- for me, particularly with how you do your work, there's so much freedom and there's sort of anti-establishment, anti-framework and anti, which is fantastic. Yeah, anti-superannuation. Yeah, anti-security. anti malcolm <laughs> Anti, but, but, but that's... That's a good thing because then that's that's your awareness. So your plie is caught up in that. It's not – nobody tells you. you have, like I think sometimes we, we, we are, un, especially in this – and it's because of the capitalist framework and blah, blah, it goes on and on and on. But I think that we are under the impression sometimes that people make us do things. And in actual fact, every plie you do is choice. Mm. Every down dog I do. So even when I'm there and I find it hard or frustrating or – uh, annoying or I don't really feel like it or I feel I go this is a choice I've made mm. and there is power in that and there is also freedom in that so the do you plie- give yourself permission to change your mind of course like halfway through a down dog you're just like done well sometimes I go I go today I'm going to focus on this <laughs> okay and that helps me <laughs> yeah like yeah. I read this beautiful thing about when you're in a training, any, even making work or whatever, to to do something, you have to undo something else. So that sense of constantly being in in opposites is quite interesting as well. Mm. What would what what would you say that you do, Sam? Okay, I do a couple of things. <laughs> Just a few. I I feel like I've had probably three careers running parallel, wow. as you know, yeah. over the last sort of eighteen years or so. So the main thing that I'm doing right now is I am the movement coordinator for the acting program at WAPA. I also teach, which I'm really happy with, into the performing, the, the performing arts BA, which is the Performance Makers mm-hmm. um, Bachelor of Arts, which is fantastic. And in that, I teach fundamentals of movement. 
I teach Iyengar yoga. I teach devising for solo work as well as devising for physical performance. Um, I also get to make work here. So I've made, I've already made a movement project with the movement work with the, or sort of a movement theatre project with the second years. And then, um, so I coordinate all of that. So that's part one part of my administration in terms of my career, plus the teaching. And then the other thing I do is I activate space for artists in any capacity that I possibly can. So I feel like that's where I try to give back or to build or to build ecology, sustainability. And like even though sometimes that's been really hard, like last year with ReadyMade it was really hard. We didn't have much money. I was like, are we going to keep going? And then the gods shone, the funding gods shone as they do. And we received money from Arts New South Wales. And so the space is actually probably in the best position it's been. But still half of it's run volunteer by me. So it's still not fully functioning as a fully funded space, but that's okay. Um, and then the other thing that I think I do is I I make work. like, And I mean that really loosely. Like, I feel like it's a very unusual tracking. Like I don't... I don't think I've ever worked in... I mean, I have a particular aesthetic. I work with groups, big groups usually. And then, I don't know, solo work. So that's it, three careers. Making, doing and activating. (laughs) Administering. I do a lot of administration. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of administration in my life for artists. As you know, I've worked for the Australia Council. Regional Arts New South Wales as a funding person. So, like, I, I feel like, I don't know, I've got this big thing, but I feel like it all goes to cultivating the artist mm. and the resilient artist and the artist that's interested in telling stories, both with... That's what's amazing, actually, about being a WAPA is the two worlds, like the dance world, the independent dance world, which is where I came from, and then the theatre world and how those two intersect. It's been really interesting here. Mm. Um, is that when you are making work, what are you busy with? When I make work, I think what I try to do is reveal something. So that's what I try and do. Mm -hmm. So everything I bring to a, so I'll bring a structure. I've got a certain structure I work with to start with, but then every little thing that I do, every question I have, every task, every piece of, like movement I might, I might make up, <laughs> choreograph myself, <laughs> God forbid. But anything that I do is about to reveal something. Mm. And, and obviously I work from what I know. So what I know is that our lives are driven by how we cope with loss and how we navigate that and how we navigate time and how we um, resolve that. That's what the astronaut was about, but much more personal because it was sort of semi-biographical around my mother. But, yeah, it's it's how we navigate. And I think that's our greatest gift is that we can know such great loss and great recovery. And and that's our – and so that, that sort of idea of revealing courage because mm. I think we need it. I think we need it. I think we need all sorts of things in art. I think we need all sorts of things in performance. Yeah. And so I think that that's what I've tried to hone in on because I think that that's because I love people 
and I love listening to people and I love listening to what makes them who they are and how they see themselves in the world and how then can I put that in a frame because that's what we're doing. We're constantly putting something in a frame mm. as artists. Synthesising um, something. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's it. I think that's what I try to do. Sometimes well, sometimes <laughs> really bad. <laughs> sometimes really shitty. And even with the body of ideas thing, that was really interesting for me because yeah. there were so many brilliant people in that room from so many different practices and I felt like each one revealed something over that time. And it was because of the incredible artists who were facilitating, you know, but I think that little, um, just that little intensive period, I felt like everyone got to reveal something about their practice or what they were interested in as artists or what they liked and didn't like or... So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Can you tell me a little bit more about the power of revealing the power of yeah the potential for, for an audience or yeah like well who? the process I guess because when even for yourself in your own process you're revealing things to yourself and oh, to yes, each other to the cast and then you frame that for a viewer yeah and hopefully it reveals things even if you don't reveal something to them but something you do reveals something internally from themselves to themselves yes 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 so there's two things there. One is how what the how to reveal in a group, yeah. and and how to reveal as a sol, in sol, solo in practice. So. So I think, when. Okay, so I think when I work with a group. The thinking about revealing is about listening, which I was saying before. So it's very, because I think that as we work with people, so I think when you first train, you think you should know everything. And then you get to a point where you realize like you know nothing. And then you realize that you might know something. And then those two worlds come together. And so you're intuitively working in a room. So I think that the exercise of revealing is around fine tuning my intuition with a group of people and to know when to push people and know when to let them let let the pedal off especially with actors um because yeah it's just really interesting about what at well what they're prepared to reveal at certain points and so creating a uh, a process where they feel like that revelation or that revealing will exponentially get bigger for them mm-hmm. so the vulnerability because that's what I think on stage, like even in Ange work, Ange's work, her vulnerability was probably ours more than hers, which was really interesting. But there's a vulnerability, which was really interesting. So I think that reveal to vulnerability, to the reveal of the exposure, and then the space around that so the audience can see themselves reflected back so that they feel opened. They feel, like, for example, with the astronaut, that was such a different process. Like, usually I'm pretty frantic and got lots of energy. <laughs> <laughs> well, three simultaneous careers, yeah. yeah. Lots of, lots of, well, that was my own stupid fault. But the, um, but the, or I should say three interests, not three careers. That sounds a bit arrogant, doesn't it? But, um, but the astronaut was really different because I worked with Fran who's a um who's a Bhutto specialist and I was that's her expertise among other amazing things but she 
she got me okay working on my own and and to reveal so I worked a lot with of course different tasks for myself I made the whole work in my living room in Perth I've got it's quite good you get big houses in Perth it's not like Sydney where you've got two rooms and that's it so um, I used to spend every Sunday just doing different tasks and different things. But the revelation, the reveal was the interview with my mother. So what are the different devices that we can use to open us? How do we stick with something? How do we move through something? Um, and so all those tasks were about unraveling like a sort of a biography of sorts. And then Franny would come in and make me be still. And then that was hard because then that was vulnerable because you have to let someone watch you then like you have to be so the opening of that piece was me sitting still for about eight minutes which doesn't seem like a long time but as you know eight minutes in a solo work on stage completely still is terrifying Mm. but um but the 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 work that work the reveal of that was the stillness the reveal of that was that it was restrained there was no great um, amazing sort of dance breakouts or anything like that. It was this very subtle, restrained piece, mm-hmm. which was very vulnerable. And then gives the viewer uh, uh, an invitation to meet you rather Correct. than you just... So going back to the reveal, so then I saw, and that's the whole thing about that transaction with the audience, so then I met this woman after one of the shows and some people really hated it because it was too still, mm-hmm. yeah, which is fine. You know, no one's meant to like everything. Um, you don't do it for that. That's the, that's the other, that's the little stick in all of it. It's like, who are you doing it for? If you're doing it for ego, you're doing it because you want validation, blah, 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 then you should try and check with that and then come back to why you're actually trying to tell a story. But anyway, there was this, there was this woman and she was so beautiful, Matt. She was crying at the end and she said, it was so, you were so like my sister. And so, like, our, the relationship with my sister and and I hardly said, I didn't say anything. All the words were, the text was just uh, over, you know, you know, what you call, whatever. Mm-hmm. But because there was so much space in it, because it was very nostalgic, of course, because mm-hmm. it had this sort of mix of time between my mother and me, um, she, she was able, she was able to reveal something mm-hmm. for herself. And so that practice of how and why, what questions we ask of performers, what questions we ask of ourselves in terms of the ideas we want to pursue. Yeah. Like at the moment, I thought the next little thing I would like to do because of this solo tracking, I want to do three solos. And so the next one is called Atlas. And that's, you know, what I'm sort of thinking. And so it's a durational piece about the load we carry. And it really feels like now, right now, the load of the person, the the, the load that we're carrying in trying to navigate a more positive experience in the world is really huge. With the given circumstances, particularly now with the Trump, Mm -hmm. the Trumpy Trump that's really shifting, immediately shifting he makes us, he forces us to recognise what we value. And so there's, so, and I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination is this fantastic that he is there, but all of a sudden the load that we carry has become bigger. And now we have to action it. We can't just sit back in our, in our armchairs and go, oh, it doesn't matter that, you know, people can't get abortions or it's like, no, 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 no. This conservatism has to stop. And, and, 
Because I think, so, so there's something around that questioning why you make work. What's the question you want to ask in your work that you mm. make? And then how do you reveal it so that it gives the audience enough space? And they can hate it. It's not, you can do something that's about dissatisfaction. It doesn't have to be pretty or wrapped up in a neat bow and all that sort of do you business. Have, have you found any answers to those two things? What, you, what you're dealing with and then how to deal with it? Yeah. Because they're good questions. Yeah. So it's just the work. Mm. Okay, so what I mean by that is no two processes are ever the same. That's what I reckon. Mm. So you can start, like I have certain things that I start with that are similar. You know, sometimes you do mapping of a thing. Sometimes it's about research. Sometimes it's about laying on a floor for hours and hours until something happens. But no two processes are alike. But I think it's the work, to, to work, to keep working on it. So um, a good example of where I feel like I didn't do that, where I feel like because of the different time constraints and stuff like that, I felt like, and all the pull, so, for example, with the safety numbers work I did um, at Riverside, that work had come out of the, this, the Cultivate Combinate with Force. So it had already had a small development and then it took ages because of the pool of life, you know, the yeah. various different interests that I had. Yeah. But I felt really um, that I had to get it up. There was this, I have to make this work, I have to get it up. I, but I felt like along the way... I stopped asking myself questions. Mm. So I got interested in trying to get the outcome and, and I thought it was beautiful. I thought there were many, many good things in it and the artists who were in it were spectacular. So it's – but I, I really questioned my process and how I was walking into a room and what stimulus I was offering the artists. Mm. Was it the right stimulus, the right activation, um, I mean, because they're so incredible, their response and the way they took things and then took it much further was the saviour really in a lot of ways. But I felt like, yeah, that was a, where I felt like I didn't, you know, because I was producing as well as directing, you know, that whole bag, mm. that, um, that the work, the work on the floor, I felt like suffered a little bit from my own personal process. So... But anyway, that's learning, huh? Like you've got to keep learning, and and then and then that was interesting because then that spurred a whole lot of conversations with myself around ideas of failure, and why we do a thing, why 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 in performance, like for example, you're in an institution like WAPA, and everyone says you've got to fail. It's all about risk and fail and dare and da da da. But is that really true? Is that really what we're saying to? And so how do I really genuinely say to an artist, I want you to fail? Mm. And when they do, I want them to celebrate that. Because there's something wrong with how we, what's going on at the minute. Because it's all driven by outcome. So little money. We get, we get why. We get the trickle-down effect. There's no money. You've only got a small thing. You've got to have a project. You've only got four days to fucking show it to people. Oh, my God. Like, it's disastrous, right? Yeah. It's a disaster. Yeah. Because nothing gets time to no. be cultured. And then if it's... 
it's not good enough to be good. It has to be celebrated. That's because right. Because your ability to eat depends on whether it's celebrated. Correct. Yeah. And then if it's celebrated, even if it's not successful, then, you know, you want a producer because you want a work that you've spent with no money, mm. like for hours and hours making a work, hours, days, weeks, thinking da-da-da-da. You want someone to go, hey, that was really good. We're going to produce it for you so it's got a life because you want it to have a life because you want to keep sharing the story, right? So, but that doesn't really happen because the inherent nature of creating is failure. Mm. And so you have to really let people fail. You really have to be, you have to, it's like what Anne, it's like from the body of ideas, the two things that came out of that for me were like this idea of the communal body and the return to sincerity. So you really have to be compassionate and really truly believe that it is okay for people to fail, even if they've been given shitloads of money. Shitloads, and it doesn't work. That's the investment. Yeah. And that's how it should be. It shouldn't be, oh, no, sorry. You know, you're not valid anymore. Mm. Because there's no, there's no real there's a, um, support. A text, I'll link to it, but it was, mm. it was talking oh, yeah. about um, that... It is only when there is fat in the system that research and development can happen. Yeah, and right. And quite often the uh, discoveries don't directly benefit the company that puts the money in. It benefits somebody else who sees the value in the discovery that this yeah, company right. is too entrenched to be able to re-steer yeah. to maximise on. Wow. And kept giving example after example of um, when medical breakthroughs were made or when Xerox made the breakthrough with a user interface that then oh, Apple yeah. jumped on board with. Oh, and, wow. like, and that when and that at the moment we're in this lean startup ecology That's where right. the idea is bootstrapping everything, which means that there is no That's fat, right. which means that there can be no um, blind curiosity. There That's can be right. no um, outcomeless interest and research yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because that at the moment is framed as foolish and naive. It's 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 folly. Yeah, folly. Yeah. 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 So I feel like I spend a lot of my time on folly. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you don't know. Um, but- but that's, that's, okay, that's how you define it. Like going back to the idea of novelty. Only because it oh. hasn't produced a economically beneficial outcome yet. But until I die, there's it's still good. Darling, you've got years. <laughs> and also, well, this is what I'm saying. Like yeah. what, what is it though? Like why, why do we do it? Do we really navigate it because it's about, I mean, of course we need to eat. We've got all those things that we need to sustain our life. Yeah. But then... We're not really, like, really do, do, is it about the money? I mean, having a great show that we could tour, I mean, that would be fantastic. I mean, it's but about the social status as well. It's not, of course. Getting comps is not bad. No. <laughs> getting invited to opening VIP parties or something is not bad. But does that mean we've made it? <laughs> Maybe it just means that you're good at having friends. Yeah, that's what I reckon. <laughs> I reckon Facebook's, you know, you're good at getting people on Facebook or something. Um, when you were saying before about, well, that's the work, that's... And what it is, yeah. I'm, I'm, I want, I'm interested to hear you talk more about what is the work? What are you doing when you're doing the work? Um, I, I would go back to something you said in the Body mm. by Ideas thing, which mm. is, and it's a me, like a mixed Stewart thing as well. She talks about it's the attempt. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's the passage of work is the inception 
or the idea or the imagining or the dreaming or whatever it is to then trying to put it in some sort of mm. place or context or whatever, whatever, whatever the practice is. Um, and then the work is the attempt and 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 the attempt mm. until, as we know, it gets edited down, it gets distilled, and then you have something. Yeah, and then it atrophies to a product. And then it's... <laughs> <laughs> But going back again to the body of ideas thing, which is the entropy. Mm. So, so that's what I'm saying about we have to really work out why we're in this mm. because it is about entropy. It's ephemeral. It's not about like the parties are good, but it can't be everything. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. you're in a constant state. So, so the work is is that it's the attempt it's the it's the going sideways i always say that to the here go sideways with it you know we all think it's about the vision is forward Iyengar talks about that like we're always constantly working from here mm. like we're going from here when in actual fact you change the perception yeah and it's such yeah, a simple yeah, thing yeah. like dances to the back of your head it's ridiculously simple oh and also there's that whole thing that if you're predator animal your eyes are in the front if you're a prey animal then your eyes are on the side yeah 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 right totally and so it's like letting your ego allow yourself to be prey for a little while because then you'll see more that's right that's very true there's um there's a group called the long now foundation and they are trying to get people to think in such long terms that we are more considerate about our children when it's spending our children's um earthly inheritance yeah that's right before they're born um, but they're talking about, like, it's taken us 10,000 years to get to this point. Let's think about the next 10,000 years. Let's assume we're in the middle. And one of their projects to make that more tangible was to build a 10,000-year clock. And so the clock doesn't matter at all. No. But having to manifest a physical object in a physical site means that they've had to consider in 10,000 years what will the size of stairs need to be for the humans wow. that are around then? Wow. Because they will have changed in the way that we have changed from pre-industrial times. Yeah. And then they've had to consider how do we write a plaque that will be in some kind of legible language because language will change so much. Wow. And all this kind of crazy wow. shit. And the ideas and the problems, actually, the problems that you never come up with if you don't attempt Mm. And I feel like yeah. that's where, because I was raised in like a trucking industry family, this, this very uh, acculturated mistrust of academia mm. has its place in, in just in that little uh, possible thing that um, the things that you'll never think of until you attempt something because it can just be an idea and an idea is very neat. Yes. And a, and a discussion can be very, like, watertight somehow. Yeah. But the attempt is messy. Yeah. And the interaction, engagement and, yeah, wow. and vulnerability in having a go at it is... That's mm. work, huh? Mm. That, maybe that's the work. That's the work. That's yeah. right. It's the mess. And it's starting off before you know exactly also yeah. where yeah. you're going. Or it's that um, feedback loop between... Uh, Thinking through movement is something that we talk about all the time in yeah, dance training and that's movement right. awareness. And but I yeah. see my dad do the same thing when he's stumped with a problem with an engine. Mm. Is that he's not going to make a plan and then get up and enact the plan. He's going to get his hands on it and reach it around that's something. Right. That's right. And then look at it sensory. and then have no idea and put it down and walk away yeah. and then come back. And there's a mm. thought process mm. in the same way that people doodle. 
mm. or mm. scribble or free mm. write or whatever. Mm. There's a, a feedback loop thought process Absolutely. that reveals our thinking to ourselves through doing Absolutely. and physicality in the world. And it was interesting, I was talking to an artist last week about um, that she's been interviewing different practitioners about their processes. Oh, yeah. So a visual arts practitioner to a practitioner to a writer to a dancer to... So, um, and she brought in some, they, she did some mind mapping with them, mm-hmm. you know, drawings and stuff. And it was just so fascinating to see, that, again, the inherent um, need to validate yourself, worth, you dump ideas, you edit. This was a writer's process, their identity as a mother. Like there was all these really amazing things in this process. And, and I think that that's the other thing to consider that when we think about the work mm. is as especially when you're working with your body, you're in your body, you are your body, you're all those things, is that uh, it, it, it takes into consideration like your relationship with your father, mm. you know, like it, it's on that level as well. So it's about how useful that is to that work at that moment, you know. So with the astronaut, it was really important that I re-engage with the story of my mother and our family. But that always influences me because that's my aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. I grew up with all women, no dad. Like, it, it, I can't help it. Mm. Like, so so I think that that's interesting too. So it's what we focus on in the work. We have all this opportunity, all this opportunity sitting around us, but it's what we actually put on the floor and attempt. Yeah, and there's zooming in and out between yeah. personal and universal. Totally. And giving yourself the, the legitimacy that your personal has value to be mm. researched and then giving yourself the tools and the craft ability to make it universal when yeah. you share it. Yeah. But I wonder, sometimes I get stuck on all the work that needs to be done and uh, why I'm making dancing instead of yeah. doing that work. Like from as uh, altruistic as helping people dig the ditches that'll get water to their towns. Totally. Because I have the health and the ability and I know how to dig a hole. Yeah, Yeah, I can do that. Um, But then I'm not doing that. And so something I'm curious about that uh, you are making work and you are doing that work but then you're also making space for work Mm. to be made and exist. But I think, well, I think there are a couple of things to that. I think sometimes you have to be ready and I think maybe, I don't know, like maybe you're in a, that's what I mean, it's a long life. So how you filter Mm. where you need to be at certain points are, that's what I mean. Like you only can do that in time when you look back in time, if you know what I mean. So yeah. right now you possibly you need to be having the conversation where you're making dancing and sort of questioning why you're making dancing, <laughs> do you know, and almost resenting. Yeah. I mean, why the fuck am I making when I should be digging holes? Because actually that adds, adds value yeah. because you're in your questioning well, rather than just going, oh, I'm just making dancing. Like there's a sense of... Um, uh, Ego is the wrong word, but uh, Sherlock Holmes in one of his books, yeah. um, Watson mentions Sherlock Holmes as not being a very modest man. And Sherlock says that um, false modesty actually gets in the way of your ability to provide benefit to the world. Mm. 
because yeah. you have skills and but then if you don't mm. step forward with those skills mm. and offer them mm. because of modesty and so maybe there's like a as arrogant as it is to say i have been led to believe yeah <laughs> <laughs> um even if it's own, only through the like belief and encouragement of my mum that i have a sensitivity to this thing whatever it is oh, yeah. or a skill or whatever and that not everybody does no and so maybe absolutely. somebody else who can dig the hole better than i can should dig the hole mm. and then i should do this thing because if i'm not doing the thing that i can be the best at then i'm not giving what i can give well that's what well, I mean, but then there's like Martha Graham said that. You, well, she true. said that. Yeah. She said you have to invest in. Yeah. I can't remember the exact quote, it's but you have to invest your. Like, if you don't give it, then the world will that's never right. have it. That's right. That's right. And so, so, so there's this, you know, this saying that a life not lived in service is no life at all. Mm. So, so how do you? How are you best in service? Mm. So right now, how you are best in service is by making dancing. Mm. How am I best in service? By sharing with a whole bunch of students that I absolutely love, mm. by still helping the studio or trying to sustain the studio. Um, but I think you can be multiple things. I think we're in a... Yeah, tell me about that. There's the multiplicity. Sounds like you're totally on board with multiplicity. Yeah, like I think I think we limit ourselves. Mm. I mean, I think we, we have much more capacity than we imagine. So I think that the digging holes it will be present in all the works yeah. you make. Like all I'm saying is that I think that there there can be multiple things going on. You, you don't have to be one or the other. No. But for you to not keep dancing, now yeah. that's the tragedy. Yeah. Or, or to keep thinking making dances or however yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I would never have imagined when I did the BA at Western Sydney that I would be here. Like absolutely no, like... But the, but the strength of being in service, mm. the strength of wanting the work, the strength of loving it, mm. like loving it, absolutely loving every part of what it was to move in my body, you know, got, takes you on a different, it takes you on a path. Mm. But it was so, so remarkably different to what I thought. I mean, I feel really lucky. I feel so bloody lucky. I get to come here every day and, um, and when I was in Sydney as well and work with really, really intelligent, creative um, the hungry people. Um, I've met a whole bunch of new people here and in Sydney. Like I was around people that were just so inspiring. Mm. So even though in some ways I think I didn't end up how I sort of imagined, which I wanted to be a dancer, I sort of got a very different path, but it's filled me with the same thing, which is inspiration, which is story making, mm. which is dancing, which is... I don't know, like, so that's what I mean. It's a long life. And, and so what you choose to do with your energy is the most important thing, I think, how you direct that energy. Uh, have you reached capacity before? Oh, my God. <laughs> totally. Did, you, did, I know you, did I know you when we did Queen Street? Um, I was just entering. You were just when, when that close. Like, to be honest with you, I feel like that was the closest I had to a nervous breakdown was the end of that yeah, right. project. That was absolute capacity. That was, and to from part, partly my own doing. You, you know, like, it, it's, it was that, and that's the problem of you've got to be careful you don't become a martyr. 
when you work in multiplicity, when you work in mm. service. And so I think that that was a very useful um, experience in working out how to best use my energy. <laughs> like, because at the end of that project, I was not, I just didn't even like the person I was. I was just pushing and pushing and trying to make things and not listening hard enough. And it was a fantastic project. Like, oh, my God, it was I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of that whole thing. I thought it was just bloody brilliant, especially the thing it phrases at the end. But, mm. but, um, that's funny, yeah. that thing, isn't it? That sometimes to make the best things happen, that you then start to have to become the person that you don't agree with. Yeah. And then I guess there must have been a choice from you that was like, well, either I can continue this success at this cost yeah. or vice versa. That's I can right. Let the outcome be the cost. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, it was the best thing that I ever did was leaving that. And it was really hard. It was a huge thing because it was all about identity. It was like, oh, that's what I do. I activate that's space for artists. And, you know, I've got, a, I've got a goal and I've got value. And, and to let that go was really hard because I really believed in it as well and still do, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to pull right back. I mean, I hadn't really made any work, you know. I mean, I'd made a few bits and pieces, but that was something I was still really interested in doing. And for my greater health, like actual human health, I had to go that I had to sort of like regenerate I had to go and it didn't take me very long you know there was that space in Ultimo and that was run by a theatre company at the time before it became ready-made and you know I felt like I still had a lot to offer and it was to dance like that's where I thought I felt like I could offer the most so coming out of the Queen Street um, uh, business with Jimmy which was was incredible I learned so much but um taking that time to reevaluate how I could best use my energy plus still survive mm-hmm. and have a healthy, you know, relationship and see my friends. Like my mother would say to me, what are you doing? You, you just, you don't have a life, you know, because it's volunteer, so you're doing it. Well, uh, the phrases thing wasn't volunteer in the end, but, you know, it, it took all our energy to make it happen. And so, um, yeah, so... Then when this space came up at Ultimo and I said I'd go in and help just do a calendar and stuff like that, which I did. But then, you know, I started thinking about it and I thought, I mean, the whole thing of ReadyMade is to create a space. I want a performing space for dance in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Like That's what I want, like a black box. It doesn't have to be luxurious. You know, I mean, I want it to have all the right things, but it doesn't have to be fancy. But I want it to be a performing space for dance. And... Um, and, and, so, and for me particularly, like, dance theatre, you know, that there's a, a home, um, you know, talking, obviously talking to my own interests, but that there is a place that dance can be shown. Like, so you're not, you're making, you're in development, but you know there's going to be a place for you to show it mm. and have audience, which I think is really important for dance because dance needs audience, okay? So anyway, that's why the ready-made thing started because... The Studio 14 at Queen Street was so fantastic for dance, you know, um, and mostly from other producers like Linda Luke doing Platform and um, Tester Quincy and there was heaps of, um, and the um, we did we did this thing called Blueprint, which was for the emerging makers, like, um, which I loved, you know, that was fantastic at the end. So, um, so there was some producing from us, but a lot of um, external amazing artists producing things, which was good. 
And then, um, so it was that and that the Darlinghurst Theatre came up mm. through the accommodation of the City of Sydney and I thought, I'm going to go for it. So I had to create an, an organisation. <laughs> so I was like, right, I had to have be a not-for-profit organisation. Mm-hmm. So I was like, right, I'm going to do this. So, you know, I don't think it was only like six months or a year later. I was like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a performing space for dirt. I was, I was deluded. But the intention was right because then that I didn't get Darlow, but I was running this space and um, the lease had come up for them and it wasn't gonna go it wasn't gonna go through for them again, which was sad for them. But then I thought, okay, this is the start of something. And um, and that's how it happened. So it was this still this need to try and use my energy in the best way I could. And I felt like that's what the community needed. And so I was prepared to go, okay, let's try this. And I talked to heaps of people and it felt like it was the right thing. So in the interim, this the ready-made space is now, it, it hasn't fulfilled that charter, which I still think there's space for that. But uh, what it's done is it's, I feel like it is a real home. And people are starting to really see it like that. And now we've got five years more, it's really sustainable. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there's still a lot of work for me to do because we have to – it is a funded space. It's very different from Queen Street. Queen Street was probably 40% funded, 60% independent, and that's what we liked because mm. we were still really – and our space is very independent, but because of its limited access, we do need funding to help pay for, like, mm. uh, studio manager or associate director, like Trishy or Linda, were, Linda R. And so it's this um, – it's this interesting dilemma. Mm. What do I do? How do I keep that going? And um, But I think it is, it really is in service and it's proven that it's a good thing. Like it's it's a great thing. And people really have responded to it well. Yeah, and take ownership of it now too. Yeah, which I think is really, and that's what you want, huh? Like yeah. that's that going back to that notion of the communal body. Mm. How do we move forward in the value of arts practice is through this idea of community and and I think people get community wrong. I think sometimes it's like, this is community. But actually communities, well, I, you know, when i bit working in the community cultural development or community partnerships, it was like, oh, it's community. But it's not. It's really powerful and strong and yeah. vital and um, that's ecology if you've got community on board. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's so interesting though, Maddie. Like, so, anyway, it was so funny. But I, th- but I think it's going to be all right. Like, I think... <laughs> of course you have to think that. Otherwise I think it's going to be all right. I'm pretty positive. I'm pretty positive. <laughs> like, I really... Sometimes I get a bit worried, but then I think, oh, well, I just have to keep going. That's my motto. I just keep going. Just keep going. Because if it... You know, you've got to trust that what you've started or... Mm. And that's the thing of not being arrogant, going, I know everything, but trusting that you have enough information or enough resources or enough knowledge mm. to be doing the right thing. And there's a whole bunch of really like you and Ange and uh, Ree and Julian Long and Little Luke and there's all these people now that sit around that organisation that are just wanting it to succeed or wanting it to keep going. Yeah. So it's not sitting in a hole anymore where it's like, oh, what is this and it's actually part of the landscape. And you can see, like, we're sitting very independent still but in this sort of off-to-the-side thing, which mm. I sort of quite like, <laughs> that we're a bit off-to-the-side. How do you know, though? So my fear 
upon launching into anything is not that I will fail, is that I would learn, that I will come to realise that um, it's not actually needed and I'm not going to continue doing it. So, okay, there are two questions for you here. So is it that you not want to be the making dancers or you not want to be in service? Do answer it. Hello, Sam speaking. Oh, no, I think you've got the wrong number. No worries. Bye. Bye. Sometimes when I get a wrong number call, I just have a chat with them. Yeah, he was really sweet. Yes, no worries, love. Michael. It's Michael there. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael. Yeah. Uh, No, it's more like... So there was... uh, I never worry when it is something that I know that I want to do or when I have a question of can I do this because that will drive me to work it out. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Mm. Um, And that's, you know, eventually where the novelty wears off when I work out if I can or can't. (laughs) But the... um, on the other side is going into something with an outcome-oriented focus, which yeah. is let's make a space, let's make it sustainable, yes. is that um, that's like we were talking about before, that sometimes that an be idea is, yes, okay, I'm, I'm scared of being trapped. Yeah, totally. Oh, I totally I feel that. Like, but, but, I've, but in terms of I understand that feeling, like, because yeah. you're right, like, because you're committing it's like a relationship. <laughs> no, true story. Like, it really is. Like, as soon as I started the ready I was like, there was lots of things I was thinking, okay, are you really going to do this again? Are you really going to commit? Are you really going to have this relationship where it's going to mm. be really hard and you know it's going to be hard, you know mm. you're going to hate it, you know people are going to piss you off, you know people are going to yell at you, you know you're going to, like, da 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 But I think that's where the service comes in. So you have to, that, does that really outweigh the potential of the service in a greater so you have to look and I don't mean this because like I'm as bloody selfish as the next person but I think talking about that 10,000 year old clock Mm. I mean so what are you putting in place so Mm. okay there are two things what are you putting in place for future the other thing is you only you're only trapped if you think you're trapped so for example when things have been hard with different various different things and you get in the loop of, oh, my God, I'm trapped. Oh, my God, I can't get out. What am I going to do? Oh, my God. Like, as soon as I think differently about who can help me, how I can get through this, what like, all of a sudden that dissolves. But I think it's about intention. Like, what do you want? Like, what do you – like, so maybe that's – you don't have to ever do anything like that, Manny. Maybe your whole thing is that it's about this idea of building aesthetic and, and structure through novelty. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, mm. so, so you've got to think about it differently. Like, that's what I mean about the thinking thing. Like, and I'm, I, I can be really terrible at it. Like, I can feel really trapped and feel like. What do you do when you feel trapped? Or how do you, how do you recognise that you're feeling trapped? Oh, usually because I'm really stressed. <laughs> I don't sleep or I think, oh, this is not going well. Yeah, right. I mean, it's the same reason I don't have a loan on anything. Yeah, totally. 
oh yeah, but that's a different thing. That's because people have told us we have to have a particular life with the 2.5 children with our, in our heteronormative world, with our house that's got the fence and the loan and the bank and the, the mm. responsibility. And but, but I think our responsibility is our responsibility to the world. It's not to the bank. It's not to, even to our parents. It's about how we how we are in service to the world as the best that we can be. So you saying to me that to be the best that you can be in the gifts that you've been given mm. is exactly what you should be doing. Mm. And because the bank thing can wait. Like, who cares if you never have a bank loan? Like, for example... But um, even, even just seeing a need and mm, not fulfilling it well, because being scared of being trapped. Oh, well, okay, that's, that's different. Yeah. I wonder how you got over that or how you continue to get over that. Because th- you see a lot of needs, mm. Sam, and then you choose some of them, <laughs> and you see them because you're compassionate mm. and you listen to people. Mm. Well, well, I think there's two things. I think sometimes I think that um, it's something that I know now. Yeah. Okay. So that helps me. Practice. You're practiced. I'm trained. <laughs> I'm trained. I'm. Th- that's what I mean. Like, so yeah. the return to it. So this space is is not as hard as before because I'm definitely not as uptight. I I mean, I can totally be uptight. Like you asked Jimmy when I was running Queen Street, boy, I was scared all the time that it was all going to fall over, especially because we had a commercial lease in our first space and that was scary, you know. Um, So, you know, I think you learn learn the fights you're going to have. And what to let go of. Anne Bogart, she says this beautiful thing, which she's an American director. She says, you know, hold on tightly, let go lightly. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's it. Like I can hold on to my passions. I can hold on to my beliefs. I can hold on to the things that I value, but then I have to let them go lightly so that I feel that I'm not totally bound up by it all the time. And asking for help. I'm terrible at it. You know, like asking people to help me or help a situation or help you to work or you know, mm. you know, collaboration is king, I reckon, mm. in everything, even in solo work. Collaborate. Get the best people in the room that you trust. Get people around a table who you know are there to get it going forward rather than to prevent it. Get those wankers out of the room that are just there for the agenda of themselves. Mm-hmm. You can see it straight away. You're like, bullshit, get out. <laughs> No, true. How? Like, How do you see the bullshit? How because you, you can see that they're they're driven by their own sense of self and their own sense of um, wanting people to, to validate themselves. And that's fine because we all go through that. But I think when you're in a process where something like ready-made or even in when you're making work, you need people to be ultimately really generous of spirit. Yeah. 